Welcome everybody to another episode of Do The Woo. It's episode 160. Um, my name is Ronald. I work for Yith and together I have co-host uh, Zach Stepak, who is the CEO of Mighty Swarm, a uh, company focusing on Woo performance. And Zach, we have somebody here from WooCommerce. Uh, why don't you introduce? We do. So uh, we're joined today by Gary Murray, whose uh, official title is the Director of Merchant Marketing for Channels and Online Store Design. But I think we can summarize that by saying you're a product lead, right, Gary? Yeah, I think that's probably the title that most people would understand. And I think there's one burning question, and that's the question we always ask everybody who comes on this show. What do you do at WooCommerce? And, and describe a typical day of, uh, of some of your tasks and who do, who do you connect with? Um, yeah, thanks for having me on the call. Um, yeah, essentially, what do I do would be at its broadest, at its highest level, essentially, it's, there's, we have a few focus areas in WooCommerce where we've tried to group ourselves around like what it is that our merchants are doing at various times in terms of their experience building their e-commerce business. And as such, we've created these focus areas. And then, so I function essentially as a business or a product or a focus lead essentially within WooCommerce, looking specifically at what is, it's a fairly broad range of things from sort of our channel marketing integrations that we have that are helping our merchants be able to market their stores to the sort of online store design experience, which Traditionally, would be in the theme space, but definitely in the direction that WooCommerce at WordPress is moving in from the Gutenberg perspective. It's more now looking at things from the blocks perspective, and then coming out of the blocks, the one of the like what started off essentially as like a project and is slowly basically turning into more of a product was our work to actually convert what was the shortcodes for the cart and checkout to actually be fully functioning blocks, which we spoke actually about on the Do The Woo podcast probably about six months ago. I think we had a call with myself and Darren, the development lead, and Bob, where we actually spoke through what we were doing on the cart and checkout blocks itself. So is that taking up most of your time now, still six months later, uh, on converting these shortcodes? Is that your, your main project right now, or do you have other focus areas? My focus area is probably, I split my time probably equally between those three things. So at any given time, I'd be potentially working with Google or Pinterest or Facebook from a channel marketing perspective. I'd be working with a team that's sort of more singularly focused on our sort of full site editing experience or what we term in um, store design experience. And then the cart and checkout blocks are definitely like a dedicated area as well that needs like dedicated attention. Um, in terms of where we were the last time we were on the call, we've definitely made on, we've continued to make progress. We recently um, launched what was essentially our internally, we referred it to as our second iteration essentially of the checkout um, block, but it basically took what was our monolithic one singular approach to creating the checkout block for an MVP perspective and sort of broke it down into inner blocks. So now the checkout block is made up of inner blocks. It adds loads more flexibility and extensibility for our um, developer community and we've doing the same thing now essentially with the cart block and that'll be coming out soon and alongside that we continue in the work to actually 
integrate more and more extensions with it and making sure that we are adding the extensibility points where needed to be able to just make sure that the checkout and the card block be able to replace the short codes eventually. Great. So if we sort of stick to this uh, to this project of um, of blocks, um, obviously it starts with an idea. Somebody has a has an idea. It's like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we use this technology and and extend it within within WooCommerce? So could you describe the process or the progress of when when that maybe started and and how that then forms into uh, a product and then also how how does the, the the feedback mechanism work of the community or internally and then you know maybe then where we are now looking into the future what sort of the next big steps are of that process Yeah I think the I mean the cart and the checkout block definitely a, a good project to look at it from that perspective because if I recall back to the beginning of the project, essentially, it started out pretty much as we wanted to be improving the conversion rate for our merchants. How could they actually improve the conversion rate for their stores? And so it was at that stage that we essentially went away and we looked at what did we currently have from a cart and checkout experience on WooCommerce and what would we actually want that experience to become if we were to actually rebuild it, essentially. So... We didn't look at it from a perspective of how do we convert it from being short codes to being blocks. It was looking at it from the perspective of how do we create the best checkout experience for our merchants. And then at that stage, once we had essentially designed what we wanted it to be, then we looked at it and we said, is this something we can essentially do with the current state of the essentially the way that it's built within WooCommerce? Or is there an opportunity for us to be able to rethink the way that the cart and the checkout is actually built in WooCommerce to be able to move it forward and improve it for the future? And it was at that point that we made the decision to not try and like build the improvements into the short codes themselves, but actually to rethink the way that the cart and the checkout experience worked on WooCommerce and come up with something entirely new. And at that stage, then based on the fact that everything is moving in the direction of Gutenberg, it made sense for us to essentially build that using blocks essentially as like the, like can you say, I mean, building blocks is like a terrible in the sense that that's literally what it is at the end of the day. But it's like, that was the underlying piece upon which we built it is the Gutenberg technology. And I think the, the best part about that technology isn't just the fact that, you know, we have this higher converting checkout experience now. But the fact that it's given us more customizability without code. So, you know, with the new versions, the the ability to shift those blocks around and move them into new configurations uh, gives store owners flexibility to experiment with what might improve conversion for their audience. And I love that. I think that that is... You know, the direction that we need to move in for other parts of the WooCommerce experience as well. Um, from the product category templates to, you know, the product page templates as well. Uh, because every merchant has different needs. And if we can serve those needs by giving them this set of building blocks to play with and to adjust to the needs of their audience we're going to better serve those merchants. So I think it's a really good initiative and I've been really excited about it for a long time. One of the exciting parts from our perspective as well is that, like you explained there, is you know, we can give merchants the ability to essentially go in and potentially make a lot of customization 
to the cart and the checkout, for instance, or in the future to say, for instance, like the product page. But what it also brings to the developer community is that someone who's essentially developing a building a store for a merchant, the way that Gutenberg works, they can also, if they get to a configuration that works for that store, they can lock it down so that then they can prevent the merchant, for instance, from actually going in and doing something to their cart and checkout that actually potentially breaks, like decreases the conversion rates or adds something to the product page that actually creates issues. So it's, it's like the best of both worlds, essentially, where we're able to give merchants a huge amount of customizability and flexibility, but then we're also giving the ability for that to be curtailed in a way that's like a better user experience, ultimately, for both our merchants and for the, the builder community. That's a really interesting example, actually, of, of how you, um, and, and I'm, I suppose that's part of the feedback where you had developers with concerns uh, saying, oh, but hang on, it's all great that you, you provide these tools, but I also need to make sure that it, it works well. And um, also what Zach is saying of, you know, it's great to have all these these tools and and to play around with, but I can see it's it's quite a brave thing right from the beginning to to have this vision of I wouldn't be a fantastic if we do this, but you you reimagine something that's so classic, so set within e-commerce, and to bring everybody on board with your vision of of your you know your end goal of where you think this is going to be, and even then along the way you probably have had doubts if it, if it's the right thing. How is your what is your approach to? Uh, to to bring the community, however big you, you you know, whether it's developers or the wider WooCommerce user community, how do you bring them on board with your idea? Do you have a, a certain pattern or way of doing things? Um, I think the the approach we sort of adopted at this one was it was definitely to get to that point of having yeah what we term like the MVP essentially of something that we could essentially put out there that showed the yeah the working concept of what it was that we were wanting to move towards and why we felt this was going to be a better experience to what existed now. So that as soon as possible, both merchants and our developer and builder community would be able to see, you know, this is the direction we're moving in. This is the reason we're moving in the direct, this direction. And this is the improvement it's going to be able to make to WooCommerce as a product at the end of the day. The thing then is what we've tried to basically just the, or the approach we've taken, and I think it works because it's currently still also, you know, it's built in the develop in the feature plugin. It allows us to be iterating on it continuously as we're working towards getting to the final solution. So it wasn't a case of us trying to build something and then shipping it and saying, you know, yeah, it is. We're replacing the shortcodes with this new checkout, and at, and then we haven't actually taken into account enough feedback from be it merchants be it from our builder community or the developer community and to be able to actually understand the needs of our entire ecosystem to help us actually move forward towards getting to a cotton checkout that is definitely a because our goal is to make something that does improve the conversion rate that was the ultimate yeah that's the original goal like i said at the start we wanted something that improves the conversion rate we weren't just trying to replace the old checkout with a newly designed checkout that looked better. We wanted something that was actually going to work for our entire ecosystem. So that's the approach we've taken basically is like fast iteration on things to be able to keep working on it. And then we've also internally to make sure that we're not just building something that like suits our needs. Essentially, we've always tried to make sure that as we've built new 
um, extensibility points in the checkout block, for instance, that we are testing that against extensions that we have in the marketplace that potentially we own ourselves as WooCommerce to make sure that what we build in works for our developer community and then getting feedback from the developer community like we've had some payment partners who've been able to build their extensions or convert their extensions to work with it. So we're continuously basically open to feedback and making the changes that we need to make sure that the the ultimate thing that we're going to have one day that's going to be able to replace the short codes it may never be able to work for 100% of every extension that's potentially existed out there that integrates with the current shortcode, um, for instance. So there may always be a case where there may be some use cases where they would prefer to use the shortcodes ultimately because of some legacy feature that they built like eight years ago that we maybe now deem is could be addressed in a different way and isn't suitable for what we're trying to build in the new version of the Carton checkout. Yeah. So, so how did you experience the sort of the, the rollout of, uh, you know, the announcements and, and getting developers to, to come on board with a big, with a bigger vision? How did you experience that? You know, I saw some of the first, uh, blog posts about the project and, uh, got the feature plugin installed in my local dev environment pretty much right away did a presentation about it for the Chicago uh, WooCommerce meetup uh, just because that's how I, I learn best is by teaching. So um, like to throw things into presentations as quickly as possible so that I reinforce them for myself. Talked about what the future might be like uh, in that presentation. So I got to kind of do some of the same vision casting that, uh, I'm sure that Gary and the team have done uh, just what the experience could be like in the future. Um, so that that was really my my experience diving in. Um, and then as the new releases have come, um, keeping the feature plugin updated and keeping track of what work has been done and testing it constantly in my local environment. Yeah, you know that's been the basic experience. Interesting. I I did a. a I did a similar sort of thing for my um, meetup in in London. Just just do a live demo and, and sort of explore it together. It's like, oh, how about this? Actually, you could you can make a lot of changes, and and already even from the early versions, you could uh, you could add a lot of, you know, drag in some blocks to to do some upselling, for example. So um, that's really great. Um, Gary, how long have you been working at uh, at Automatic at WooCommerce? Um, I joined Woo just before the acquisition, so. It's a bit tricky. I can't remember exactly what year the acquisition happened in, but I think it's probably about five or six years now, potentially, that we've been working at Automatic. Yeah. Yeah. So my next question is then um, sort of related to that because the, the the team at Woo has grown enormously. And I can imagine that uh, back in the earlier days, uh, and this is just an assumption, that uh, communicating with other departments to, you know, to drive something forward, whether it's with the developers on code or with the marketing team or, you know, to, to create this, this, this um, you know, your vision. And maybe let's talk about one of your other projects as, as an example versus now where the, the team at, uh, at WooCommerce has grown uh, quite significantly. Um, has it is it has it become easier or is it more difficult to to make changes? Maybe that's also part because WooCommerce has become much bigger and widely adopted. Yeah, I think I mean a, a good example of actually the impact of like 
the way that the Woo Commerce as a company has grown as as a division with inside of Automatic was. I've related it recently when you when you go off on AFK like. At the beginning, you could go off on AFK and you could maybe take, so in terms of if not everyone on the call, but AFK essentially go, taking a few days holiday, essentially. Um, and in the early days, you could take a few days, you could take two weeks break and you could come back and you could feel, you, you didn't feel completely swamped when you got back with all the notifications and the stuff that had been happening and how quickly certain projects had and how far they had moved in the period of the two weeks that you were away. Now, you take two days vacation and you come back and it just feels like you almost come back to a different company again because every, every, so many things are just moving in so many different places and everything keeps moving forward. So there definitely is way more stuff um, happening in within WooCommerce now than there was when I joined. That's definitely for sure, which, I mean, seems logical. At the end of the day, that we should be at that point where there is so many more things happening as the company is growing, as WooCommerce's product, the product usage is growing and stuff. So it is great, but it definitely does bring with it those kind of challenges of trying to make sure that you essentially are communicating across the company to the various divisions that you're working on to make sure that you're not potentially working on, you know, something where two teams could rather be collaborating as opposed to you may have two teams that are potentially building things in isolation of each other. So you've got to make sure that there's enough cross-collaboration, um, which is definitely something that we brought into effect when we've, like what I was talking about earlier with the, this business-focused product lead type role was to ensure that we had people who... At that, um, like it's not necessarily like level in the company, but at that point, at that area of the company, are actually making sure that we are cross communicating for us to be able to understand what each focus area is working on, so that we can find the areas of collaboration that we are communicating well between, you know, myself, for instance, in my area, and working with the product marketing team to make sure that our requirements of them are going to be met at the time that we need it. So there's a lot of um, you know, cross-collaboration that has to happen across the company now, which is definitely very different to how it used to be. I mean, we've always been a remote company, but definitely in the early days, it was one of those situations where you felt like you knew everyone and you could essentially just like, you know, if we were in a real-world environment, you would imagine swinging around at your desk and just like tapping the person on the shoulder and saying, hey, we're working on this project. It's going to launch in two days' time. Can you help with the launch? Whereas now, you know, it's not a case of that. It's you got to definitely be two months in advance talking to, making sure you find in the right person that you can talk to about the product that you're working on that you want to launch to be able to make sure that we don't get to the point where we're ready to launch and like our product marketing team is like, this is the first time they're hearing about the fact that we're working on this, for instance. That, that's such a good insight. Yeah, I've definitely seen um, that change myself over time. Um, I live not far from uh, Andrew Weichel. So we talk a lot about uh, the team and the the team structure and how support has changed uh, after acquisition and throughout the growth. And even just um, the way that Automatic is structured internally has, has changed over the last couple of years with Paul basically taking a CEO type role over WooCommerce rather than just being the director of WooCommerce under automatic. You know, it's, it's feeling like things are 
becoming more autonomous in the various working groups inside Automatic, which is cool to see as time moves on as well. Yeah. Hey, Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do The Woo. Looking to build that next Woo shop quickly and easily? Store Builder with WP Quick Start is the newest product from Nexus, a liquid web brand. Store Builder gives you the tools to create an online store with WordPress for only $19 a month. Try Store Builder free for 30 days and visit nexus.net slash storebuilder to get started. When you build a client site, after the fact, you are doing one or two things. Continuing to help them maintain their site or simply handing it over. Now, whatever the case may be, you need to give your clients even more confidence in running their Woo shop. OS Training has a great collection of WooCommerce tutorials that will help your clients get the most out of their site. And as a bonus for you, the builder, you can also find training to enhance your knowledge as they continue to grow their WordPress and WooCommerce developer training. So whether it's for yourself or to help your clients understand and take control of their WooShop, OS Training has you covered at OSTraining.com. And now let's head back to the show. So, you know, the, the, the different uh, departments and how do you communicate with each other? Is this, is this done through some, like a P2 or, because um, you must have a directory to, uh, to find out who's who and who's responsible for, for what, because you just, you shared that earlier and I thought, wow, yes, if you have a couple hundred people working in a company, and then moving departments, it's uh, it's quite a task to to find out who's who. Yeah, we do. Um, I missed the the first part of the your question there; just sort of broke it. But I think the general gist of what you were asking is it's sort of sort of saying on aware of all the new people that are joining the company. How do we communicate and stuff internally? It's I think that's probably definitely one of the benefits of having been at the company since the acquisition. Essentially, is that you you're more aware of all the people that have joined and what all their roles are as opposed to potentially like every person who joins now that i would have a call with for instance uh it's one of the first things i say to them is i do feel sorry for you joining the company now with the amount of people and the amount of information that you essentially need to try and like navigate your way through to understand you know who who's who and who does what within the company and which projects are currently happening. And so there's that's a, a big challenge. I mean, I, I think about it, I don't have the exact numbers now, but I think when I joined, so we use P2 internally basically, which is you know, like a super powered blogging system essentially for us to be able to communicate internally across projects and things that we're working on. And if I recall correctly, there were probably about 300 P2s when, uh, when, we, when we were acquired. and I don't know, I would definitely probably say there's probably over a thousand P2s now that are within the company for various things. I mean, that's obviously across the whole of Automatic, but it is definitely one of the um, challenges that you face is trying to make sure that you know who's responsible for what. But as we've grown over the years, we've definitely tried to put in place, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, we're a software company, so we can sort of build these tools that we can use for us to be able to understand who does what, um, who's experienced in what, who has knowledge in different things so that if you are looking for certain specific insights into you know, who worked on this project or 
who was responsible for this thing shipping or who made a decision that we were not going to build this feature or we were going to build this feature, we are able to find that information very easily using um, what we essentially call in the company MC search, which allows you to, and I think that's the benefit. One of the things like, if I just go, when you, when you join automatic, um, we default to communicating via text. So versus if you had the option between actually writing something as a P2 post and then discussing it in comments versus jumping onto a video call to discuss it, we would definitely defer to put it on a P2 so that we can have the discussion there because written text is searchable versus a video call is not searchable. And that allows us in the company to always be able to find information where decisions were made, why a decision was made to be able to get the context behind the people that were involved in something. So you may find, for instance, I mean, I've been working on WooCommerce since I joined WooThemes, moved across to Automatic, haven't moved to anything else. But say, for instance, I had shifted and was now working on Jetpack, for instance, someone would still be able to find that at some point, maybe in 2016, Gary was responsible for this decision. They could still come find me and go, what was what were the reasons behind why we didn't do this or why we did launch this feature or didn't launch that feature? So that enables us to be a lot more um, aware of who's in the company and you know, who's been working on different things over the course of the years. Uh, but that's that's a really good uh, lesson for anybody, any any business that's sort of scaling up, and and where you have team members coming in and out and and moving around to to have a you know record of of many years, so to say. Another question for you, maybe personally, but also maybe as a sort of recommendation you have for new team members joining the the automatic and, and WooCommerce family, is how do you learn and how do you learn new skills when it comes to you know, the wider e-commerce and educate yourself what what the trends are, uh, what you need to focus on. Do you take feedback? Do you do you read? What's, you know, what, what's your way of uh, of progressing? Yeah, I think that's so broad in terms of what you could be looking at. But like an example, um, I think you basically got to stay inquisitive to finding out the information related to, you know, whatever area you're currently working in. For instance, um, literally just before this call, I had ended up, I was watching a video around um, our Google um, listings integration that we built and launched earlier this year. And it was a promotional piece that's been done by a third party. And I was just reviewing the video that they had. And in the video, they essentially shared um, a slide in it with some insights that they were using to sort of validate um, you know, why you would essentially be wanting to use the Google integration, why you want to have your products appearing across the Google network. and it was, yeah, you, know, you, you see the slide, you see the bar, you see the graphs and stuff, and it looks interesting. But my, what I did at that point was paused the video and looked at the slides you was referring to and looked at the bottom at the little source of where were those, those graphs actually coming from. So, and then I found the report, Googled it, went and found the actual report to actually go and dig deeper into where, where were these insights that he was sharing coming from? Where was there potentially more that I could be learning from that that little bit of information he shared? Maybe there's a whole lot more stuff I could potentially be gathering from that. So that's where I'd say is like the area in which you're interested in is to stay inquisitive in that in within that area essentially and as you start to dig deeper within trying to find information, you often will find I mean like you know, you could like 
term it like a rabbit hole, for instance, but you definitely end up heading off in different directions, which then essentially extends the information you have, extends the knowledge you have, and potentially, yeah, shows that or broadens your interests. And you might find, hang on, there's another thing, yeah, potentially that's sort of tangentially related to this thing that I'm working on. But maybe the two things sort of do align potentially. So that's how I've sort of worked throughout my whole career. Essentially, is just trying to make sure that. I stay inquisitive to the area I'm working on and just from my perspective, I think it sort of leans into the mix of like sort of the the different, the skill set I have is this definitely from a data side is like, I'm, I'm very hungry for data. It's like, if I can find the information on things, the reasons why people are making certain decisions, how that potentially can be extrapolated out, how you could decide what you could infer from data. That's definitely the kind of stuff that like, gets me up in the morning essentially is to go and find that kind of information and how we can essentially that bring that back into the WooCommerce product. It, it's really interesting to hear a bit of how the process works really and, and get that kind of behind the scenes look at, at exactly, you know, what your, your role entails and how things move through uh, the organization. It's really cool. What you said, Zach, and I just had this this sort of curious thought as well that if um, you know, Gary, you you've been working there for a very long time. You have a you know a role that's sort of well integrated. You have all the contacts, but if you if you're fairly new to the company and you have this insight, whether this is a, a report or a book you've read, uh, and you want to share that with the company, is that possible? How do people do that? Yeah, you. I mean, that's the great part about the way that it works is. I actually saw this recently. I was going back out of interest and I was like, I wonder what were the first P2 posts that I put up when I joined the company? Like, what did I actually share when they said, when we were acquired by Automatic? What was I thinking about back in those days? And I went back into the history and I went to go find out what they were. And literally to what you're talking about is I was just sharing the stuff that I was essentially reading in the evenings was if I came across an interesting report or a couple of interesting insights, I would write a P2 post at that stage, obviously, like I said, there were fewer P2s essentially, So, but you got to find the one that makes most sense. So it's like if you're trying to communicate to a specific team, you would try and find that team's P2 and you could potentially, and anyone can. So it's like, you know, someone who doesn't necessarily work on, say, my focus area and they work in somewhere else in the company, but they read something or find something that's of interest potentially to my focus area, they can come and they can post on our P2 this is what they read. This is what they thought was in, interesting from it. Yeah. You know, and just share it with us for us to be able to read. And so there is no blocker to you essentially being able to share any information within the company, which is, you know, it's, it's equally, you can argue it's equally a good thing and equally a bad thing in that you could, you know, the like signal to noise ratio could essentially be biased in a certain direction. For instance, if everyone is just sharing every single thing that they're reading and they're thinking is super important is the ability to then sort of get past what is the noise and actually find the important information is tricky. But I think in general, you know, we rely on like probably self-censorship as such essentially for you to be able to go. And that's maybe where you could probably say in terms of what gets shared on Slack versus what gets shared on P2, for instance, is that like if you're potentially thinking that something is has value for the whole of the company and has value for it to essentially be something that is a little bit more um, 
permanent than just like a passing message in Slack. You would put it on P2 so that essentially you could have a conversation there on a P2 about it. But if it's just some passing thing, which you read, which you're not 100% sure if it's that applicable, but it's just something vaguely of interest, you could definitely share it in this, in any one of the Slack channels. And then you could get a conversation. I've seen, for instance, things that have been shared in Slack that you know, six or seven messages down in a thread, someone will say, we should P2 this. And then essentially it'll shift from being a Slack conversation to a P2, finds its way to the right P2, and then the conversation carries on there. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. You know, I've I've always on the teams that I've run considered Slack to be a temporal tool, right? It's It's there only for the conversation that's happening in that moment. And you should expect that nobody will ever remember what was in that channel. So we've always treated our project management tools as our source of truth for everything, you know, so whether that be Jira or ClickUp in, in recent uh, months, it's interesting to hear that, you know, P2 kind of becomes that source of truth inside of automatic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible. Like if I think like on a, Every morning when I wake up, if I open up Slack, if Slack was like supposed to be the definitive source of where, that I, where I was gathering all my information and trying to follow up on like the status of various things, it's almost impossible to do it because so much stuff in the course of like the time between when you log off to when you come back, so many conversations could potentially have happened. You have no way of knowing like which of those were important, which of those led to an important decision being made, for instance. So that's 100% agree is like, decisions and stuff are definitely even if even if a conversation starts on slack that potentially ends up in a decision that that the decision moves to p2 and gets put onto a p2 post around yeah it was a conversation that happened on slack it resulted in this decision we documented the decision that we made and the reasons why we've made that based on whatever conversation and we can link to the conversation that happened in slack but the actual recording of the thing happens on p2 essentially there's a lot of lessons you can draw from this uh, conversation. I think if you if you're scaling a business or project management, there's some some very good uh, good good parts in this. Um, Gary, if I may um, focus a little bit on the future, maybe you can give us a flavor of what what's sort of coming out in in the short term, but also looking long term ahead. If if there's anything that you'd like to share with the with the builder community that maybe keep an eye out on this or, or start focusing on a particular area. You know, I, I think you, you probably have such a good insight of things that, that are, are, you know, really worthwhile sharing with uh, with the community. On the builder side, it definitely would be more on the sort of um, store editing and all our work around the blocks and our work to essentially make WooCommerce compatible with full-site editing. That's definitely like the most exciting area of opportunity, I'd say, for our developer and our builder, builder community and the area for people to essentially keep watching out. The, our work essentially on getting WooCommerce compatible or WooCommerce ready for full-site editing is ramping up. So we're definitely making big steps there and that should be, you should really start to be able to see the change that'll be coming in that area in 2022 and beyond essentially as we actually are making, you know, doing the work to make sure that we're going to be ready for full-site editing. Um, again, like the blocks work that we've done, adopting very much more of an MVP approach to how we essentially do it. Um, and that is also learning and iterating based on feedback that we've got in the company to how we could essentially evolve WooCommerce to be ready for full-site editing. We had an approach which we were adopting, 
we've recently pivoted and we going to take a different approach to it, which will be able to allow us to be ready sooner in certain ways. Um, so that's definitely an area for the, our developer and builder community to stay aware of. Definitely in terms of our developer blog, that'd be the place to be able to be um, following, to be able to get the information in terms of what we're doing there. We did recently post a roadmap specific to, to the cart and the checkout blocks and essentially you know, what we're going to be doing there next, now and later, essentially, we'll more than likely will be doing a similar thing from the full site editing and the store store editing perspective. So that people essentially, you know, we want to make sure that our developer and our builder community in that regard is not like left in the dark and just hear about things when we've essentially like, when we've got to the point where we think we are far enough or something, and then we're going to let you know about it. We want to make sure that everyone can actually be aware of what we're doing, the stages we're working towards, so that we can essentially bring everyone with on the journey as opposed to rather just like telling them when we feel we've got to the end of the journey, essentially. Yeah. Is, are these, are these, is this a lesson you've learned in the past? Maybe there was something where you thought, oh, we should have handled that a little bit better. And this really proactive approach of bringing the community along with blog posts, with, with updates, roadmaps, it's a very nice way of... of you know, like you said, to bring everybody along with you. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I would, I don't know if I specifically can point to one thing that I've looked at as like a, an example of an area we maybe didn't communicate well in or something, but it's definitely just in terms of my time at Automatic, I've definitely felt like that is one thing we can be doing better is to be making sure that we are actually bringing our community with us along the journey and explaining to them why we're making decisions. Because at the end of the day, you know, if we want the community to be aligned with the work we're doing and understand our motivations behind it, if we can explain our steps along the journey to getting there, it makes it much easier for our community to be able to see why we're making these decisions, to be able to get to these, you know, what. But if we just come at the end and we go, we've made this decision, then our community has no understanding of the context behind like the decisions that we've taken to actually get to that point. So, yeah, it's definitely... It's an approach that I wanted us to use specifically and I've tr and we've tried to roll it out within, definitely within our own focus area. I think it also within the core product, when we hired people that are more specifically, um, you know, their, their job description literally is to work with the community, to be speaking with the community, understanding the needs of the community. There definitely was a movement within WooCommerce and the core product itself to be adopting that approach as well. And, you know, we've tried to keep it moving in our focus area. Yeah, last time we spoke with um, Alan Smith, um, and you know, he shared that he's his sort of side is expanding, or his I'm not sure if it's a department, but you know, the the communication between the the, the community and and Wu, um, you know, more more heads to uh, to help with that. Uh, Zach, it seems like uh, your your wish is coming true with uh, full set editing and the the category pages and so on, product pages. Yeah. Um... I'm sure that Gary is familiar with at least some of the work that I've done on my previous teams and some of the ways that I've pushed WooCommerce in the past. Uh, so being able to do that without having to hack WooCommerce to make it happen by uh, doing things like enabling page builders will be uh, a giant step in the right direction. And, you know, I think that, uh, moves us closer to being the platform that allows for the product marketing page and the product sales page to be one in the same 
in all instances. And, you know, that's where the power truly is, is when, when we can take that marketing page and that marketing page is the, the commerce page as well, we eliminate that broken experience that's happened so many other places because the two tools very rarely meet, right? And so um, you look at giant companies like Apple. Apple has a great e-commerce store, but they don't have product marketing pages in their e-commerce store. They have a marketing site and they have an e-commerce site and they're separate and they don't meet, right? And that's friction. And as we know, friction is the killer of conversion. So as we move toward this future where we have more tools for building these more flexible layouts and flexible pages, I think we'll get to a point where we're reducing friction through design and providing information and, and tools to buyers, to our customers, who are really looking for as much information as possible to make that purchase decision. That's what I'm, I'm all about is using design to reduce that friction and increase conversion. Yeah. It makes me think about, um, that report that I referenced earlier that I saw on the, on that slide and I went and dug up and found where that report was. There was actually, there's a part in that report where they were referring to the fact that a, a merchant should essentially be making changes to their product page at least three times a year. They should be going in and like, like substantially changing what is actually on the product page. And it made me think about like how in the context of WooCommerce and pretty much almost every e-commerce platform out there, your product page template is this static thing that's basically just rendering your images, your price, your product description. It never changes essentially. And the ability to go in and change it is, it's just far too difficult for you to even try and do that. The amount of knowledge that you have to be able to try and do it, the potential to break it is just, it's huge. Versus what we'd be giving to our merchants through things like full-site editing, it'd be totally feasible for them to be able to go in and make changes to their product page now based on insights that they're gathering to be able to you know, look to make improvements that will help to improve the conversion rate of their products and not leave their site looking like something that they've never touched since the day they essentially launched it. Even just the ability to experiment with things like adding social proof under add to cart buttons or, you know, other things like that, that just, they provide customers, you know, potential shoppers with a better feeling about hitting that add to cart button. Those things are hard today. We have to hook into uh, a part of the, the page template and add those things and manage them in code. Uh, in most cases, and we're going to be moving beyond those uh, restrictions and into a place where we're going to be able to create more dynamic content in in a manner that just isn't possible today, and that excites me. I think um, if I listen to this uh, this interview as a as a builder, or you know, Zach, it also seems you're really enthusiastic and ex- excited. Also, as a shop owner, I I feel really really very pleased with what you've described Gary as, as the, you know, the future and, and where we're working towards. Um, and also knowing that you've had such a big history within Woo and, you know, invested history, um, moving forward, it, you, you, 
it seems that you you will not you will you will not fail. You'll you'll make sure that this will come to completion to uh, to good success. However, having said completion, it will never complete. It's always an ongoing project, of course. Um, I've got one final question, and it's just a, a regular question that we have. We're coming towards the end of the uh, the episode, and that's simply: Do you listen to music when you work? Um, from time to time, it depends. Like if I'm trying to do something that like requires a lot of concentration, then like I'll normally work in dead silence. Um, but otherwise if it's just general, I'll often, yeah, you know, just go and find some soundtrack thing that's on YouTube, put it in the background and it plays away there through the headphones while I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> any, any particular genre that you're very keen on? Genre, jazz actually. It'll normally just be some good relaxing jazz that plays in the background. Great. Thank you so much. Um, quickly, uh, Gary, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Um, yeah, uh, Twitter's probably the best. It's Gary S. Murray is the handle or on my own blog, Gary.blog. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm excited to see what you and the team uh, come up with next. And uh, thank you for continuing to give us amazing tools that allow us to better serve our store owners. Thank you. Hey everyone, Bob WP. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'd like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends. If you are ready to get that next Woo shop up on WordPress, do it easily and quickly with Nexus Store Builder. You can learn more about it at nexus.net slash storebuilder. And keep your clients educated by sending them to OSTraining.com for the latest and greatest in WordPress and WooCommerce tutorials. And of course, you can always stay on top of our podcast by subscribing to Do The Woo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your own favorite podcast app. So until next time, keep on doing the woo.